Hello and welcome back to Stat Chat. I am Dave Klatsky of Colgate Men's Basketball. College basketball season is upon us, and my guess is this season will be unlike any others we've had in the past. But that is neither here nor there. Today we are going to talk with Simon Gersberg about his new product and new website, shotquality.com. Simon has been with us for a couple of years now, and he's done a lot of projects for us at Colgate and me in particular, and he's been terrific. And, you know, I don't know how much more we'll be able to use him now that he's got this kind of uh, full-time project going on to to uh, promote and to take care of. So um, I'm glad that we could have him on to give him a chance and an opportunity to talk about his website with all you. To me, I love it. I mean, I, I actually love everything that's going on about it. I love, you know, if you've listened to me before, talked with me, you know I love talking about shot quality and shot selection. And this kind of takes the emotion out of it and takes the subjectivity out of it. And he's kind of come up with a way to make it even better than what I've been doing over the last couple of years um, just by watching. So I was excited to have him on and chat more about shot selection and shot quality in general. For those of you that haven't listened yet, he was also on Chris Oliver's Basketball Immersion podcast, and that's a terrific podcast. Side note, if you don't listen to Chris yet, but um, Simon did a really good job. But one of the things that I guess bothered me about listening to that one was it didn't give a full coach's perspective on all the data that was compiled and uh, coach Oliver did a, did a really good job of kind of asking Simon the right questions and, and letting him talk about his product and getting excited about it. Cause he's along with myself is uh, obsessed with shot selection and shot quality. So um, I think he realizes the potential this had, but one of the things I, I hope to accomplish having him on my podcast was to talk about how I've used this over the last couple of years because I've been doing it just not as accurately as the computers can do for you. And some of the things that I'm looking to do with the new data. So I, I hope that got gets across when you listen to this, because at the end of the day, for coaches, especially this doesn't matter and it's not worth it if it's not going to help your team get better or help you become a better coach. So I tried to give you some different things that can help in that aspect. And Simon then chimes in with his thoughts because he's talked to more people than all of us right now because he's trying to sell his product. But you'll see what we get into and we have a little bit of arguments and I think those are good and a little bit of discussion, which are obviously good. Good stuff, and I think a absolute game changer in our business. And I'm excited to see what else Simon has in store, and I'm excited to use the product once we get rolling in January in the Patriot League. But without further ado, here's Simon, and here's the podcast. Welcome back to Stat Chat. And with the college basketball season upon us, I figured I'd get one more of these out. Uh, today's guest is Simon Gersberg of Colgate University. He is currently a junior in college and has helped the Colgate men's basketball program immensely and has recently started 
a new website called shotquality.com, which, of course, I'm obsessed with. It's something that I have been talking about for years. It's something we came up with uh, in a way together, and I um, can't believe it, but he's now live with it, and we get to talk to him as he continues his uh, promotional uh, tour, I guess. He's been on a couple other podcasts. Of course, I was going to have him on mine eventually, so we're just working out the timing. So, Simon... How you doing? Welcome to the welcome to the show and uh how's everything going? Thanks, yeah, I'm excited to be here. I feel like I'm on a book tour right now, going on all my favorite podcasts. Chris Oliver, Jonathan McCree, and that yours. I'm living the dream. <laughs> yes, sir, yes sir. Well good. I I'm glad to have you. I wanna I wanna talk to you a little bit about the site and just shop quality in general. I I personally, if you've ever listened to me you know how much I value the the value of shots, and I've been doing it for years, and now we have a way to make it a little bit more objective, not a little bit, a lot more objective, and probably more accurate in the long run, and I just can't wait to see where this goes. So uh, I think it's mandatory for college programs to have I think I've used it, and I, we'll talk a little bit about how we've used it and some of the ways that you have talked to other coaches and they plan on using it. But um, I guess first we'll start with just the background of how this all came to be. And um, I'm going to start, Simon, because I think that that's where it originated, is for a couple of years now I've been doing – the shot quality of our team for practices and for games. And what I do, and if you've listened before, you know, so I'll make this quick, but I watch every shot. We'll do games only in every game, and I put a value on that based on the percentage of the shot and if it's a one or a two or three or a turnover, which is zero. So based on that, I have to use a lot of, subjectivity in that analysis because I don't have the exact numbers. And what I do have is I'm armed with a lot of information that I've found online and just my own uh, watching of basketball. And I kind of estimate exactly what that shot is worth based on who takes it. So, you know, the, the simplest one is if you're a 40% three-point shooter and you take a three-point shot, the absolute value or the expected value of that is 1.2. So this is a little mathy, but you just take 0.4 times 3, which is 1.2, and then you can use that formula for basically any shot. So over the course of a game, you can then do that for every shot, offensively and defensively, and find out what the score should have been based on the shots taken. Now, Simon – being our manager, I would assign him sometimes to track this for us. So he would watch film and he would do it and he got the hang of it and started kind of estimating himself and realized that this is really cool, but it's not exactly accurate, like perfectly. Can we make this more accurate? And uh, once he started that, that brainstorm, I could see the wheels turning, but Simon is a really smart guy and, you know, he's, he's kind of a wizard with programming and, and math. So um, I said, yeah, go ahead. See if you can come up with something better. It would save me a lot of time, which would be great, but uh, see what you can come up with. So 
uh, Simon sat in our office and was like, yeah, this, this shouldn't take too long. Let, let me, uh, let me think about it. And Simon, I'm going to turn it over to you now and you kind of take it yeah. from there and, and explain what came next. So I remember this was like October last year. Uh, I walked out of practice one day and you were telling me that I was going to do the expected value during the season. So I called my dad and I was telling him about this and how exhaustive it would be, like spending two hours a game just writing down the numbers. And he's like, there's got to be a way to automate this. And I'm like, crap, you're totally, totally right. I, I got it. I got to figure this out. So then in November, I started just tweaking. I actually remember being up one night at like 11 p.m. just thinking like, hey, do I really want to start this project? Like, I know this is going to take so long to do if I really want to do it. And I was like, screw it. I'll try it. And then it all started working out, came to fruition. I showed you, I think, in like December how it works for like one of our conference games. And it totally automated it using, like, around 90 different variables and gave objective, accurate numbers, emotionless to the value of the player's shot selection, the team's shot selection. And then, yeah, from there, kind of just built it out. Uh, I've got around, like, 40 teams signed up in NCAA. i got some NBA teams looking into some college basketball prospects. So it's kind of been, like, a exponential growth since I started that one night. <laughs> Great. It's really inspiring, and uh, I'm proud of you, and, and congrats for kind of getting live with it. But let's get uh, let's get to the nitty-gritty here. So sure. we talk about the variables. I've heard you talk about this on other shows. And, like, honestly, what I use to make my decision is, is like, I, I didn't think it was replicatable by a computer because it's so much estimation based on a lot of different things in my own eyes, including, like, the obvious ones of who takes the shot, where it's from. Then what I also judge it on is, um, uh, is it wide open? Is it covered? How wide open? How covered? Um, the shot clock remaining, the the way it looks, like, just many different things that I, over time, and, like, for instance, because I'm a basketball coach, I know what good shooting looks like, and what bad shooting looks like. So I, if I don't have any numbers on you, I can just watch the shot and be like, that, that thing is ugly. He's probably down by 30%, or that thing looks great. He's probably 45%. But how, can you just talk about some of the variables yeah. that have gone into this that aren't just – because it's not as simple as this guy is a 40% three-point shooter. Every three-point no. shot he takes is going to be 40%. No. So talk a little bit about how you differentiate – or how the algorithm differentiates each particular shot. Yeah, so obviously the most important variable is that individual player's shot-making ability. When someone on the Colgate team, Tucker Richardson, takes a catch-and-shoot spot-up three, great shooter, it would be his catch-and-shoot spot-up percentage. But there are other variables at play. Let's say, was it open? Was it a guarded contest? Uh, was it off the dribble? Was it catch-and-shoot? All of these have a significant variable in adjusting the shot quality on that play. So that's obviously all incorporated. Let's say you drive to the hoop against um, – let's say you drive to the hoop against a low-major team, and that low-major team has a very poor interior defense. You're obviously more likely to hit the shot. But when you drive to the hoop against a great interior defense like Memphis, you're obviously less likely to hit that shot. So that's another significant variable that's Incorporate into the calculation. There's like so many, so I'm kind of like jumping from little ones to little ones. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. 90s a lot. And, and, and how, how <laughs> does that, how, so the algorithm, how does that affect the number? Like, 
So you talk about those things, but let's say Tucker Richardson, 40, I think he's like 40 to 45%. Let's say he um, gets a three that's covered. Do you know what the algorithm spits out um, if, like on a covered three-point shot by a 40 to 45% shooter? So the way the numbers work is the way I tweaked this was I started it at the 50th percentile. So how much worse does a 50th percentile three-point shooter do when he's guarded compared to open? So that's how I started the variable and knew what numbers to start at. And then from there, I adjusted based off their ability in each of these areas. So Tucker Richardson, when he shoots a guarded three, he could be much better than the 50th percentile, so then I won't penalize him as much. And when I say me penalizing, I'm talking about variables not me personally correct correct it's all computerized <laughs> yeah, yeah that's brilliant so <laughs> so essentially you're using the universe the college basketball universe is this over time or is it just one year it's just one year like, for now but then as one year for now, now for okay. but it's five thousand so, so it's such a big sample that it's obviously that that, is, that it's significant yeah so so yeah. essentially what you're saying is you use the universe's percentages as a whole, and then each individual will be will be uh, let's see um, adjusted towards whether they're where they fall on the universe, whether they're a really good shooter, a really bad shooter, or mi- middle of the pack. Um, is that is that accurate? Exactly, and that's how almost all these variables are calculated. It's, it's a regression to the mean, and this is like kind of the entire thought process behind shot quality, as you know, it's because. When a guy, let's say a random player hits a catch-and-shoot three, his points per possession would be three. Um, if he took one possession, hit it. However, his shot quality points per possession would be like 1.1, depending on how good of a shooter he is. So it takes everything into perspective of how of how real the number is, if that makes sense. Right, right. And, and, and so I didn't even realize of the 90 stats, you're using some defensive stats also. And how does this work? in the beginning of the year. So we're about to start a new season. Yep. And as you said, Memphis last year was, it sounds like, one of the better interior defensive teams. So how does that work? So, like, the first couple games, um, if you're playing against, let's say, Memphis, <laughs> right? Yep. Will, yep. will interior shots be adjusted down slightly, or is it all, do you put everybody at the 50th percentile until a certain amount of games? Are playing. So to start, I just adjust for conference defense. So that's the first variable it starts with. Ah, yeah. So like Memphis being in the AAC, uh, they overall have a good interior defense. So uh, so you start based off the conference's defense ability, and then you adjust based off uh, the way they play defense. So like Memphis by game five would be the best by far, or Virginia would be the best by far. Um, yeah. Okay, so so obviously coming into a season, you never you, you're not gonna have exact stats on any uh, predictive or um, an, an analytical situation, but you're you're doing something that at least accounts for the history of Memphis's exactly. D, which is in the AAC, which has generally been, I'm guessing, top ten percent or maybe you know, exactly, uh, yeah, top ten out of thirty, so top thirty percent of defenses over time. So um, that makes sense. All right, so now that we know how the computer generates every shot, let's talk a little bit about something I've heard you talk about on other shows is the luck factor, okay? So 
Talk a little bit about the final numbers and how the process might be more important than the outcome. Totally, yeah. So, essentially, I'd say every team throughout the season has five to ten games where the outcome is different from the expected outcome. It could be one shot, one one game where a bad shooter hits four threes. Throughout the game, throughout the season, there are that many games that are impacted by literal just luck or unluckiness. So it's so hard to put into perspective as a coach, but it's such an important factor to conceptualize because otherwise you have no idea how to discern between the fact we got blown out because we got bad shots or we got blown out because we got unlucky. Understanding the difference between these two is going to be so big for adjusting game strategies as we have during the season. Yeah. Okay. I want to, I want to talk a little bit more about this because I want to, exp- I want to try and explain it to people maybe in a simpler way, I think. So here's a simple example of just lucky versus unlucky. So I think it was, it might have been American, but it might have been, the team really doesn't matter. So we played them coming in. And in our scout, this team was shooting like, it was like the eighth game of the year. They were shooting like 26% from three as a team. And while we were watching film, like, these guys aren't bad shooters. Like, last year they shot 33% the year, and, like, they just look like good shooters. So in that scout, I remember being like, you know, normally when you, you guard a guy that shoots 25%, well, I should use that term loosely, you don't really guard them, right? Like, we tell our guys, short, close out, help on others. Because 25% is a terrible percentage, and as a defense, you want somebody taking a 25% shot. But in watching, I was like, no, this is going to revert back to the mean. They're not going to finish at 27%. So we adjusted the way we coached in that particular game. Now, whatever happens in our particular game is – is whether it's going to be lucky or unlucky. So if you play a team, and let's just use threes as an example. There's a lot of other ways that luck can play in the, you know, the, the layups and, and short uh, mid-ranges. But I'm going to use threes because that's the one that is so common today. But a lot of defense can't control what the offense shoots from three. That's been proven. That's over and over. Um, there are some teams that, that it does, but for the most part, as a universe, it's, as the defense does not affect three-point percentage as much as you would think. So let's say you've played a couple teams, and for whatever reason, they've shot in less than they do on the year for whatever reason, right? And it's it, it, that right there, if you're playing a team that shoots 33s, and in that game, they only make seven, which is very common. Like, you know, there's games where people shoot seven of 30. You're going to be at a little bit of an advantage because if they normally shoot 33%, they should have made 10. Well, that's nine points right there that you're kind of working with that you had nothing to do with that just a good shooter might have missed open shots or a bad shooter might have missed open shots. And, like, you don't have much to do with that. But in one particular game, that happens. And that's where you can get a little bit lucky. And then on the flip side, we've all played games where, like, like, man, that team is on fire and they shoot 50%. Well, that's a little unlucky. It doesn't mean you can't win or lose that game. Mm -hmm. It just means if you played that game 100 times, 
they might shoot 50 a couple times, but then they're also going to shoot 20 a couple times because their season average might be 35 or, you know, whatever the middle of that is. So it be, you know, yeah, 35. Um, no, I don't know. That, that's off 20. It'd be 42. Whatever. Um, so that is one way you can get unlucky or lucky over the course of each game, and it really not matter how you're coaching. So I know that sounds crazy to hear, but three-point percentage, like Coach Langle has a saying, and, and I think he stole it from someone, obviously, but uh, sometimes it just comes down to making shots. And that's what basketball sometimes comes down to. It doesn't mean that that's the only thing, because you can – coach against letting up threes or letting the good shooters shoot threes. And that's more on the macro level, but this is like kind of luck, whatever a team shoots from three based on what they should have shot. So over time that will equal, that will even out. But if you happen to catch the team on the bad or good day, you're going to get lucky or unlucky. So that's one way that um, I hope that simplifies like just a simple luck example, but um that's one uh, one way that process matters over outcome. Um, now, I want to also talk about – to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what I was going to say is, like you said, like catching a team on a good or bad day. For some reason, I hadn't even thought of that as like a good example. But, like, a team like Manhattan or Northern Colorado who had seven or eight less wins than they were supposed to. So they expected record was 13 and 18. I'm talking about Manhattan. And they were supposed to be 21 and 10. So they had eight more wins that they let up, let off just because they caught the teams on the bad day, which is just so unfortunate. Same thing with Northern Colorado, 22 and 9, but we're supposed to be 29 and 2. So catching the teams wow. on the off day, there's nothing really you could do, but understanding like the scope of your team and what's going on is just going to be huge. So I, I, that's perfect uh, segue into what I want to talk about because as a coach, when I hear that, my immediate thought is those are excuses, okay, because, you, like, I, I just can't accept if you're supposed to be 13 and whatever and you, you should have had eight more wins. And as a math guy, I understand that there's a bell curve, that someone's going to be the most lucky, someone's going to be the least lucky, and the majority of the teams are going to fall right into that normal where you're off by one or two games. So there's a couple ways to look at this. The numbers aren't exact. Okay, so whatever numbers you come up with, there's a little bit of error um, in that. So meaning, you know, and the way I evaluate it is let's say we played a game and the final score was 70 to 60, and then we do this analysis, whether it was on my own or Simon uh, kicked it back to me, and all of a sudden it read that it should have been 68 to 63. So Kind of like 10 points and 5 points is a big difference, but each team was like one or two points, or let's say 68, 62, one or two points off. I look at that as being on the money. So when I see that, I'm like, ah, oh, that was like, that game played out how it should have played out. But then you'll have some games where if the score was 70, 60, you look at it and it should have been 85 to 58. And then you're like, oh my God, like we didn't hit any shots. If we only got 70, we should have had 85 based on the history of how we shoot the ball in certain areas. Then I'll count that as like, wow, we, we should have scored more, and vice versa. Let's say it's the other way, too. Um, then then I evaluate it as, okay, now why? Because that's the biggest thing with this is what, what can you do to apply it to your team and make your team better? And that's what, you know, when I hear the, the extremes, 
I often wonder, is it all the numbers or are we doing something as coaches that are continually missing something? And that the numbers are one tool and they can help, but then you got to analyze your team and be like, okay, if we're getting the shots we want and we're causing the shots we don't want, what what is the reason over time that this is happening? And the answer may be we're just getting unlucky, but the answer may also be that certain guys um, play more variant, meaning like they're a little wild. They take uh, tough shots, but they're good players, they, and we can get better. Like there's, there's other reasons that your scores, if you should have won nine more games or should have lost nine more games, are are happening that way. And usually it's because you play a style that isn't like to the T with no variance. So I hope that makes sense. So an example of that is like when we played Tennessee this year, in the, I mean uh, in, in two years ago in the tournament, one of our strategies was, look, they they shoot a lot of mid-range shots, and that's not a highly efficient shot, but they're huge. So as a 15 seed, we may have to try and make this game have a little bit more variance and allow those shots with, like, fake challenges. Because if they get the layups and the offensive rebounds, we got no chance just because they're bigger, stronger, more athletic than us. So we wanted to make the game a little bit more – uh, analytically in our favor, and hopefully it would work out. Now, if it's, that also, you might lose by 30 points uh, in, in that scenario, but you may also flip the game where it's really close, which it ended up being, and we just couldn't. They made a couple threes at the end. But uh, but that's that's kind of how I view it as a coach um, and something that you can think about if you're really off from what it should be. What do you think Definitely. about that, Yeah. Totally, totally. And I, I want to break it down to even more of the micro level in the game-by-game game stuff. Because, like, obviously we could talk about the scope of the team with luck, but with shot quality, we the way it works is we're breaking it down from every single shot on the play-by-play. So understanding every single shot and each possession's quality on the player level is going to be so huge for talking to players with film. So let's say we're breaking down film of the Colgate-Lafayette game, and you want to filter out Tucker Richardson's eight bad possessions in the game and six good possessions. All you have to do on the site, you go to the game, you click on the button, the hyperlink that says eight good possessions, and what it'll do is it'll take you to the play log and filter out his eight good possessions at the 12-13 mark, at the 8-12 mark in the first period, and it will filter all these out, and you can go with the video and show him, I know you hit the shot, but independent of the result, this was a bad shot. I know you hit it, but it was a bad shot. So understanding that. Can you just film, um? Can you just define for the listeners and for me? I, I don't really know either. Um, what good, bad. a good possession? Yeah, yeah like yeah. good, bad. Like where's what the cutoff is and how you come yeah, up with that? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. So this stat is just like very easy to conceptualize, just because it's intuitive. Good, bad. So a good possession is 66 percentile or above. A bad possession is 33rd or below in shot quality. So a turnover is always a bad possession, obviously, because it's zero. Um, so, the, so that's on the on the universe or per team? Because every team's shot quality, the 56 percentile will be a little bit different, universe, right? NCAA, NCAA. Okay. So, like, it, so it's it's their percentile to NCAA. So when Tucker Richardson takes a catch-and-shoot three, it's probably in, like, the 78th percentile of NCAA. It's obviously a really good possession. Um, yeah. Okay. This is this is perfect because now we're talking about the applications and there's a couple applications that I've used before 
that I want to talk about, and you just mentioned one that I want to I want to tweak a little bit because I think uh, you know um, being a coach and just being basically a robot is two different things. Like a robot, you, you know, if we're all robots, you just only take the good ones, don't take the bad ones, and it's very simple. But uh, but there's more to it than that, as everybody uh, kind of realizes. So the first application I want to talk about, and people are always like, "What what do you use this for? Like, what, what do you, what, why do you do this?" And but yeah. before, why do I do it now? Why am I going to use your uh, website? And the number one reason, and know this is like kind of simple, is curiosity. Like after every game, I don't trust my eyes a hundred percent. I trust my eyes. I mean, I'm a, I'm a basketball coach. I've played. I've coached. So I trust my eyes, but I don't trust them 100%. So I want to know immediately after the game how that game played out in in a numbers perspective. And I'm a numbers guy, so that's really the, the number one thing is like, okay, how did we play on offense? How did we play on defense? Let me see what that number kicked out. Like, I feel like we did well, but let me just verify that or, or vice versa. Like, I feel like we, we couldn't get a stop. They were getting great shots, and we just got lucky. And the, 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 when the numbers kick that out, that's like the first thing I would do is I compare it to the actual score, and I'm like, yep, I was right, or nope, I was wrong, and that makes sense. And and uh, so that's the first thing. It's, it's basically curiosity of how we played the game. So that's number one. Number two, and now, now we're talking more on a player level, like you just mentioned with Tucker. So – what I've done, and I've done kind of what you've done, what, what you just talked about, but in a different way. So I would never sit with Tucker Richardson and show him this stuff, really any of it. I, I think it's too complicated for players. I don't want them thinking about anything to do with shot quality um, numbers. I want them to know what the what a good shot is and what a bad shot is and what your teammates' good shots are and vice versa. Um but I, I don't want them thinking. I want, as coaches, us to build a system and a culture that values good shots and an offense that creates good shots by your, by your measures, over 56%, hopefully higher. Our offense has probably been higher than the average NCAA team over, over the last couple of years. So that's, well, that's the, the reason – that's the oh, – sorry, um, yeah, So that's the reason that I do, like, good, bad, neutral possession. So, like – I do want coaches to use this with film because there are going to be so many times throughout the season where players are taking shots that they might hit but aren't good shots. So, like, obviously it's a tough conversation to have at times, but just saying good, bad, neutral possession, like, you don't have to tell them the number. You just say good, neutral, bad on this shot. You show it to them. It'll be red, green, yellow, and they'll get it. They'll get it. They'll be like, okay, yeah, I see that. Probably that was a bad shot. And the numbers are obviously objective. So back it up, and you can't really dispute the fact that that was a bad shot or that was a good shot. Again, I, I, I want to get to the human emotional part of being a coach and, and having that relationship with your players and them trusting you and believing in you is so important that I will not touch on anything you just talked about. And if coaches want to do that, I think that's fine. And But that's somewhere that I will never go where I bring in a guy and watch – you know, good, bad, neutral. I will talk about that stuff, but I will not use the numbers with them. And I'm a numbers guy. And and occasionally there are guys that can that can handle it or or even understand it. But I really don't want you to understand it. I want you to go out and I want you to shoot great shots, which you know in our program people know. It, like you shoot open threes, you get you, or you or you give up challenge mid range uh, twos. That's a good thing. 
So I, I, I don't know if I would ever use it in that way, but what I would use it with is in staff meetings to be like, all right, this guy's shot quality stinks, right? What can we do to limit his shots <laughs> that are bad? And that's kind of what we do as a staff. Like we had a player a couple of years ago, um, his shot quality was like 0.7, right? And our teams is like generally 1 to 1.05. So every time he took a shot, it was way worse than the other, than the team, than the teams. So how did we handle that? We basically encouraged him when he got the ball at the end of shot clock because he couldn't create good shots to just swing it to the next guy. Like that's not your strength. Like you do a lot of other things. He was a great assist guy. He was a great defender. But it wasn't his strength to get the ball at the end of shot clock and get a decent shot up. So we would just encourage him, like, hey, keep that ball moving at the end of the clock. It'll be harder for the defense to guard. So kind of manipulating it to a point where it wasn't like you stink because your numbers say you're, 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 you stink. Don't ever try and drive at the end of the shot clock. It would be more like here's a better option for the team that might help your numbers because then, you, you, you know, your field goal percentage isn't going to be as bad. And, and, and so on. So that was one way we used it um, a couple of years ago. Now, we, we will continue to use it, like I said, on a macro level, evaluating are we getting the shots we want, are we causing the shots that we want to cause. And that, to me, is why this is so good, because you can look up on a per-player basis and say, like, man, like this guy, like should he be playing? You know, I think everyone everyone knows, like, they're one through three guy and they're 10 through 13 guy. But sometimes guy four through nine, there might be some confusion about like, he's really good, but uh, he does this, this. Well, this is a, a great tool to use with your own team of, man, he's, he's really hurting us when he's in the game because his shot quality stinks. Or this guy's kind of a glue guy. He, anytime he shoots, it's a great shot. And we have enough offense that we might not need him to, to, to shoot that much. So things like that to differentiate amongst your own team based on shot quality is tremendous. So that's something we use it for as well, um, another application. And, and then here's, here's another um, application that, that we use it for. So uh, in scouting, I like to know what kind of shots teams are taking. So this now, I cannot wait to click on a team and see everybody's shot quality based on on, on actual data rather than me just watching, you know, four or five games of film and looking at the percentages and actually see, like, okay, this guy takes terrible shots. Like, let's be ready to get a shot clock to have him have the ball and be ready to kind of make him take one of these tough shots that he's taken over the course of the season. So I think that's another way that um, that, that we can use it. So I, 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 I'm doing a lot of talking. I'm going to shift it over to you. Any other applications <laughs> you've talked to, a number of co- – I have one more that I want to touch on before uh, talk here, but you've talked to a bunch of college coaches in this process. Can you tell us some of the things uh, maybe in particular that coaches are excited about or or anything that has come up in your conversation? Yeah, so I think the way that you use it um, in terms of, like, the, the game level, I think that's where, like – that's not where all the other coaches have been using it. The main value point that I've seen from coaches who want to buy the shot quality product is the player development and scouting level. So, like, 
every player has good, bad, neutral areas in their game. Like, like there's no player that's just stable in every single shot type that they take. Or if there is, it's very rare. So you're going to find guys on your team that are inefficient. But finding their most efficient areas, if that's a drive to the basket, if that's a catch-and-shoot three, if that's a short mid-range or a floater, that's where shot quality is really going to maximize your team's offensive efficiency is adjusting like adjusting your player tendencies based off their efficiencies. And that's something that, like, um, I, I think I think most teams have really, really bought into, like, telling guys, like, okay, like, I know, I know you really love taking this long mid-range off the dribble shot, but when you pass out and, and take this catch-and-shoot three instead, uh, the shot quality value is 0.8 higher, and if you take that 10 times in a game, that's 8 points. So it, there's a lot of value in the player development application, um, which, yeah, I think the Colgate team should buy into for the next season if you have it. Yeah, I, I guess I guess what I'm what I'm thinking of is it, it probably takes time um, because it's hard now. Like uh, you know, we had a guy last year who was a terrific player, probably one of the best players in the league, but he you know his post up numbers weren't great. But he could when he got the ball, he was such a threat that it seemed like a good play. And I'm sure over time, if you had that situation you could probably temper it more or have your offense be a little different um, to adjust for that. And maybe maybe you can get to the point where you show him the numbers and be like, stop doing this. But what if that's his best thing or not even best thing, but uh, one of his tools that he's worked and worked and worked on. It's, it's tricky. It's not – I don't think it's as simple as what you're saying, but I do see the value in it. Um, I also want to talk about a little something else that I, I failed to mention before the, the other application is, so going back to that player that was like 0.7 for us, he had a lot of value. And this is something that you're doing that I wasn't able to do or I, I didn't do because it would have taken too much time that the computer can now spit out, is you also have the assist numbers. So the shot quality assist to me is so important because – for instance, this guy that was point seven, he passed a lot. So having him out there, he created points. So I almost think that it's shot quality plus your shot quality assist that is the most important number. Because again, like we have a guy now who his shot quality is slightly below what our team's is. So you might be like, ah, like he shouldn't, he's not your best player. He's, he's, he's shot quality is low, but he creates so many points for the team that you have to couple them together. So shot quality is not everything. It's, again, one tool that is used or that can be evaluated to, to, to determine whether a player is, is valuable or not. And I think um, the shot quality assist is so important because uh, – and can you just explain what shot quality is – shot qual- or shot – what do you call it, SQ assist, shot quality assist? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So SQ assist. Uh, the thought process behind it is that the, just a traditional stat is not really indicative of your actual passing ability because it doesn't value fouls, um, overvalues twos, doesn't overvalue threes and twos as it should, um, and it overvalues the shooter rather than the passer itself. So shot quality is just the value behind it is, let's say you pass to a guy for a wide open layup, he misses that layup. Depending on the probability that shot had of going in, 
the probability that would count as an SQ assist. So, like, a wide-open layup is, like, a 1.8. So it would count as 0.9 of a, an SQ assist. Well, for assist, because he missed it, there's no assist there. So over the season, they should equal out. But there are going to be some games where guys make incredible passes, and they just miss shots that game. But it will really put into perspective that the player made great passes in the game. And you could show them after the game saying, okay, I know you only had one assist, but you were expected to have six because you made incredible passes. And here are those six. I think that's so important. Obviously, I'm a former point guard that, that passed a lot, and there would be some games where I was like, man, I, I played awesome. Like, I was I was dropping dimes, and then I looked at the stats, and I'm like, oh, man, I only had, like, two assists. And, I, you know, you can go back and watch it, but this is going to spit out now. Like, actually, yeah, you, you had, you know, you could have had, uh, or I guess yours is the expected value. Your expected value on your passing was tremendous. You should have had, like, six to seven assists. And all of a sudden – what, what was an okay game turns into a, a, a really good game over the long term. And I think that's worth repeating again and again. Like This is about process. As coaches, we want our team to be playing at the highest level they can be playing at. Well, the result of the game doesn't always measure that. But over time, if you're getting great shots and preventing great shots, you're going to be a great team. And on a game-by-game basis or a half-by-half basis, you might not always see that, but over time, if you're getting good shots and preventing good shots, you're going to be winning games. And that's kind of uh, fits into the assists in, on the individual level where if you're creating points over the long run, you're going to be a valuable player. So I, I think those are um, some of the applications uh, that, that I've been able to think about. Um, I want to I wanna now uh, transition to – a question that I had about offensive rebounds. So can you explain how offensive rebounding on an individual and the team level factors into shot quality? Okay, so on the player level, individual rebounding is actually excluded because the reason and thought process behind it is, let's say a team like Baylor uh, or West Virginia, the best offensive rebounding team in the country. And let's say a bad finisher takes a shot on the Baylor team. That wouldn't be fair that his individual numbers would be inflated just because his teammates are great rebounders. So that's why I ignore it on the player level. Um, for the team overall level, uh, it's probably the most important variable because understanding the percent probability that you're going to get an offensive rebound is like the entire um, – it's almost the entire calculation behind it. So, like, should I break down an example? I don't know how mathy we want to get because this is, this is where it gets dense. Try, try, right. try and get – try. yeah, yeah. Try, try and then maybe I'll try and simplify it if I can. Okay. So, um, let's say the Colgate team has two possessions. On the first shot, both shots have a shot quality value of one. So the way the offensive rebound calculation works is, let's say the first shot, so it's a one, and then the second shot's a one. But there was only a 40% chance, because the offensive rebound chance after that first shot, uh, there's only a 40% chance you're going to get to that second shot. So the way the calculation would work, it would be one plus 0.4 times one. So the total offensive rebounding value on that play is 1.4. That's kind of like the simplest way. To explain it, it's obviously 
super, super complicated and convoluted. But, um, yeah, that, that was definitely the most challenging part of the code to write uh, for the variables. But, um, yeah. So, okay, so taking the math out of it, if you're a really good offensive rebounding team, getting shots up is obviously more important than turning the ball over compared to a team that's a bad offensive rebounding team that the shot, you know, making the shot is probably more important. So where does that show up on your website? Like, because the problem I ran into and, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sort of a wizard with Excel, but not like you, and I came up with a formula for it. But how, like, essentially, if you added up everyone's shots, here's an example. So let's say you have a wide-open layup, and you blow it, and you get your own off of your own, and you blow it, and you get your own off of your own. But, so essentially, you had, like, a 90% shot. So that would be 1.8 plus 1.8 plus 1.8. Let's say you just kept missing and playing volleyball with yourself, 1.8. So your shot quality would be, like, a 6. But and it can never be a every six. possession. It can never go above. It can never be yeah. a six. Yeah, it can yeah. never go above what the shot was. So that would converge to two because it was a layup. So I found a formula that made you know those shots equal like one point nine nine. And however you know, it's just math. You could figure that out. Uh, Excel can figure that out for you. But so how does the way I would have that show up is your individual. I'd have two different components that have your individual shot quality which factored that in like sort of and then I'd have the team shot quality which had that exact meaning that every possession was going to be between zero and three no matter how many offensive rebounds you got and it would just keep converging towards the shot you took if you took five threes and they were all good shots it would converge towards three it would never get there obviously but um how do you like on the website how do I differentiate that it's the same process, and the only time you'll see it on the website is for the final score for that game. So, like, also uh, the adjusted offensive shot quality that's incorporated into the team level. So, yeah, so it's in that, too. But, like, when you go to the final score of the Colgate-American game, when it says Team SQ points as a common name, that's what that that's what that represents. And that Team SQ points per possession, that's what that represents with the offensive rebound potential incorporated Um and yeah, like like uh, Coach said, like it's not when you take six shots on a possession, it doesn't just add up all six. But there's a previous miss percent chance, I think, is the formula, the name that you use. Uh, it can never go above three. So yeah, that's how that works. And how does that work for a player? Like, so is your shot quality going to be higher if you're an interior guy that gets a lot of offensive rebounds because no, you might no, miss no, a no. really good layup? So how does that work on a player? Because I was saying at the beginning, where like a West Virginia player, when they take a shot in the paint, um, it's not inflated. There's no, there's no. I exclude the offensive rebound potential for the player's shot quality value in particular. On the team level, on the macro level, then I since obviously incorporated. So that's what I'm saying. With that, let's say um, I'm going to use Will Raymond. He was a really good rebounder, really good offensive rebounder. And a, a pretty good layup maker, but he missed he missed a lot. So he would get high quality layups, get his own rebound, and then score. So his shot quality might have been like let's let's just you know simple example like layup, get your own rebound, layup. So basically like one point five plus one point five. Would that like does he have now have a three over two shots? 
Yes, yeah, for those two shots, that's what I'll have, yeah. Okay, so so you're as an as an interior offensive rebounder that misses a lot of layups, your shot quality might be slightly inflated. No, because I mean, I'm trying to think about this. Uh, yeah, this, this is like yeah, this is too mathy. It's complicated. I, mean, I think I stumped the wizard. I, I, I all, yeah, all you guys out there, it's possible to stump the wizard, but um, <laughs> something to think about. We got to think about that a little more. Um, because, because that's the because I don't want to I could display both numbers but then if I display both numbers it's just too many numbers for people but yeah. like, like no, I was I, saying I earlier with the I West Virginia it, it example happened. like you can't you can't you can't have a guy just be inflated because there's great offensive rebounds around him or be deflated because there's bad offensive rebounds right. around him right. So right. that's no, why no, I, the I don't player think you level, can ignore it what I do manually, and this only happens, it happens like very rarely. Let's take a, an interior guy. It probably happens one every 50 times. Is like he misses, gets his own rebound, and puts it right back in. What I do is I count that as one shot, and I count it as like 1.8. And so it's only one shot. So maybe that you can adjust your algorithm to do that. If there's like a, um, a miss, offensive rebound miss, like so basically you should have made the first one, but you miss it you don't get, like, double the value because you missed a chippy, even though that's a 75% shot. You're still going to miss it 25% of the time, and then you might get that offensive rebound 50 to 60% of the time instead of the normal, uh, you know, 25 to 30. So that's one way I manually adjust it. There's a, you know, write that down. Maybe we can uh, adjust that on your algorithm going forward uh, if we can think of it. Yeah, yeah, it just depends on, how a coach would want it displayed because either way it's probably going to be inflated for individual players because uh, they're getting shots in the paint. I mean, for centers because they're getting more shots in the paint than a point guard turning it over a lot. Uh, so, yeah, there's just a lot of different adjustments that are probably going to be made yeah. down the road. Yeah. Now, that, now that we're uh, – something just popped in my head of another um, application that I've used this for and I foresee other coaches using it for too is – so. We're trying to put our zone defense in, and we play majority man-to-man. And um, one of the teams that plays the zone that we want to play, I wanted to watch them and see how they did it. Because, you know, I, I could watch, um, you know, I, I don't even know. Syracuse is probably the most well-known for zone, or Washington, uh, other two, three. But this team that, I'm, that I wanted to watch was more – they didn't. It wasn't a high major team, so I could kind of watch them and be like, okay, like yeah, Syracuse's defense is great because they have the length and athleticism that we're just not going to have. So one of the things I did was I clicked on this team and I wanted to see how teams attacked their zone. And by one of the ways I did that was I went game by game and saw whose shot quality was the highest. Like I didn't want to look at the final result but I wanted to look at the shot quality of a team that did well against this zone. I think that can work both ways for man or zone. We could, you know, whenever we're preparing for a team, especially the high major teams that we play, uh, coach will always be like, what did Vermont do against them? Or what did, you know, find a team that's similar to us and how, what did they do to attack them? And did, and if they did it well, and I think did they do it well is more accurately measured by the shot quality result than the actual result. So 
that is something that I will be used going forward is, is kind of clicking to see who crushed this team on a shot quality basis because I want to see the good shots, not just teams that made difficult shots and got lucky. So that's another way that I plan on using this, this website uh, when we start our season, not till unfortunately, January, but uh, when we start our season, I'll surely be, be using that. Yeah, definitely. I just want to know on the head because uh, with shot yeah. quality in small samples, that's where it has a lot of value because it doesn't get overly inflated for like, things make or miss. So in small samples, shot quality does work really, really well. Uh, the shot quality points per possession works really, really well for really conceptualizing the player or team's value. Awesome, awesome. Now, obviously the site right now, uh, I think it looks great. It's new. Um, I'm sure you got a lot of things that are on your plate trying to tweak things here and there. Can you tease us at all with any um, future things or features that might be coming, if not this year, in the coming years, things on your mind that that uh, that you think might be valuable to add to the site? Or, or do you not Definitely. want other people to know yet? Or no. is there anything that <laughs> no, I don't you're care. I don't about? care. <laughs> yeah. So no, I think I kind of I kind of hinted at it earlier, breaking down every single shot, uh, just getting to that really really specific granular level. I think is going to be so big for coaches and just evaluating each play. Like it, that that idea was something that a few coaches brought up to me, and once they told me, I was like, wow, this is going to change everything for how we evaluate film. So that's, that's a huge feature, breaking down every single possession and the timestamps. The so second big feature that on, I have. Wait, so, so I'll yeah. be able to click on that game score, and then I'll see every possession with what that shot quality was? Yeah, and you could break down, like, if you want to see Jordan Burns' nine possessions, you can see the timestamps oh, of what his that's value awesome. was. So you, can see the, you can basically see the flow of the game, because basketball is a game of runs. You can kind of see – like what kind of shots were we getting when they went on their, you know, 12 to two run and vice versa? Like, again, did we get lucky or unlucky or did we just play bad and they played well? Uh, that That's terrific. That'll be, that'll be great to see. Is that, that's, you said right on the horizon or is that next year? No, no, that's two days or hopefully it'll be good. Oh, days. nice. Uh, yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So that'll be added. And like, if you want to see like individual minutes, you can break it down. Like, okay. From, 10 minutes to the 13-minute mark. You can break it down that way. Um, then the other feature I think you came up with is the occurrence filter. So, like, let's say you want to see, like, Alabama's uh, 400 plays, like 400 different plays they ran last season uh, with one occurrence. You can do that. Let's say you want to see Alabama's 20 plays that they ran last season with 50 occurrences. You can also do that. So you can filter out based off the amount of occurrences that each team or player had. Uh, I think that's just a necessary feature for really understanding sample size. Yeah, I think I think that that's really important, and we, we've talked about that. But I always want to see total, total number of occurrences, because to me, I, I want to know if it's significant or not. You know, like you can click through this and see like, oh, uh, 12 shots, and it was, point five like that that number means nothing to me because it's only 12 where if it's a 120 then all of a sudden it matters so i I think occurrences for all this stuff whenever you're evaluating numbers and and stats it's it's really important anything else definitely uh and then a few more i mean like i changed up some of the percentile visuals so like if you want to see uh somebody's 
uh, how proficient they are at the rim, how proficient they are at three, how frequently they take each of these shots. I'm doing a lot more yeah, frequency great. because I think that's just so big for scouting and player development. Um, yeah, so I, I'm kind of just building. It's hard to explain it out seeing, but hopefully uh, all the listeners will check it out. Uh, and by the time this goes live, all the new site changes will be live. So. Awesome, awesome. And the one, the one that I'm really excited about that I think – I think it'll probably be next year from what you've been telling me is uh is the predictive feature in this. So we all click on Ken Palm and uh wanna see what the you know, what the score is supposed to be of your next ten games and, and things like that and how it changes over time. Uh and I think um your site will be even better at that because it's based on the shot quality, not the actual result of the box score. So I don't know if that's possible or, you know, we've talked about adding that. No, that's we're, we're looking like March thing. Madness. We're looking like March nice. Madness. That's the goal. That's the real nice. goal. <laughs> all right. Good, yeah. good. Well, I don't know how you're going to get all your uh, schoolwork done and do all this, but you find a way. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's been great. Once again, congrats. I think it's awesome that you've done this. And uh, I'm excited to see where it goes and what you what more you can do with it. But, uh, if anybody has any questions, I know Simon is not hesitant to fire his email or number out there. So, Simon, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Definitely, yeah. So, uh, email Simon at shockquality.com. My phone number, 914-715-5337. You want to check out the site, www.shockquality.com. All pretty simple stuff. Um, yeah, so just feel free to text me, email me. Uh, we'd love to talk into that for sure. Well, it doesn't sound like we're going to have you much as a manager anymore. I don't think I'm going to have you in our pick-and-roll defense or, or three-pointers, uh, how we get our three-pointers. But, um, you know, this is this is a little cooler and obviously something that will, will be more valuable to you. So uh, good luck with it and great having you on and have a great couple months here and can't wait to see what happens. Definitely. Thank you, Coach.